Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Continue in our studies in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, just going to be reading 15 verses today. Freedom in Christ. I've entitled this message, Freedom to Obey God's Commandments. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace, but by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith, expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the way, the whole way, and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. May God give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, again, it's great to be here in the house of the Lord. And we ask for your guidance and your understanding. May we be tuned in 
and concentrate and teach us from this message that we have prepared for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. Well, we've been learning from the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, that those Christians, those new believers, were being deceived by some legalistic Jews who were teaching those new believers to follow the Old Testament laws and practices and customs in order to be acceptable to God. One law that they insisted upon these Gentile Christians should follow was circumcision. But Paul states it has no value whatsoever regarding a believer's relationship with Jesus Christ, who has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law brings about condemnation. For the believer, there is now therefore no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. Paul instructs them to hold steady to their faith in Christ plus nothing. Plus nothing. Nothing added. Then he mentions if they still insisted on being circumcised, which is required by the Jews' religion, then they were obligated to follow all of the Old Testament laws as well, which nobody can keep 100% of the time. We should know by now that nobody can be or has been or ever will be justified by keeping the Old Testament law. That wasn't its purpose. Nobody who's ever been born can keep the Old Testament law 100% of the time, except one. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Everybody else falls short of the glory of God. Everybody else falls short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. Only Jesus was without sin, who was born of the Virgin Mary. And because she conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't have the seed of sin running through the blood in his veins, like we do from birth. Because he is God, manifest in the flesh, he alone was able to fulfill the whole law perfectly in every detail because he was perfect. He was without sin. Now, Paul had to write this letter because those believers had changed their allegiance from following Jesus, having a simple faith in Christ when they first got saved, to attempting 
to follow the Old Testament law, which is impossible to do. And they tried to do it, like most legalistic people, in their own willpower. And it just doesn't work. And it made them miserable. And that's what it does. It makes you miserable. Because it, does, it shows you that you're not perfect and you, you, you're constantly on a guilt trip. that You can't live up to God's perfect standard of righteousness. And that's, they lost their joy. They lost their joy. They had fallen from grace due to the fact that they were functioning in the flesh rather than being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, you, are you who are trying to be justified by the law, which they were, have been alienated from Christ, have fallen away from grace. To fall from grace, and you've probably heard that saying before, means to lose favor, power, or honor. To descend from a state of divine favor into sin into sin. For example, Adam and Eve fell from grace after they disobeyed God. They ate the forbidden fruit. They lost God's favor. They lost the power and the honor. They fell from a state of divine fellowship with God into sin due to their rebellion against God. They fell from grace. So in this section of scripture, Paul contrasts the difference between the Holy Spirit of God and the carnal nature of man. Man is naturally carnal, fleshly. In other words, and of course, you know, I've been gone a couple of weeks, so that means I've got an hour and a half to preach, right? <laughs> I won't keep you that long. In other words, there is no way on God's green earth can any human being live up to God's holy standard of perfection. Because mankind is not naturally righteous, but unrighteous. However, when a person is saved, through believing faith in Jesus Christ, and that's the only way a person can be saved, amen? It's then that we are able to keep God's commandments, which are all good, with the aid and the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Without him, we can do nothing, amen? Only by receiving Jesus can we receive his righteousness, we have none of our own naturally. And when we receive him, we are, we've secured a home in heaven. It's definite. That should be encouraging to us. In the meantime, we are to live by faith, day by day. You know that song, day by day. Anyway, I won't go into it. Day by day, one day at a time. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, enough problems of its own. 
We live by faith, day by day, and eagerly wait for his return. Jesus is coming back. He said he would. He always keeps his promises. We don't know when, but I hope he waits till I finish the message. I don't mind. He can if he likes. He's going to do what he wants anyway. Or we wait. We wait for his return. Or we wait until we take our last breath. And he knows exactly when that will be. Wouldn't it be nice to know? Would we live any differently if we knew? Uh, some of us might. We wait until he finally takes us home. We're not home yet. We're not home. Paul reiterates our putting faith in circumcision, which they were, has nothing to do with salvation whatsoever. It's got nothing to do with it. You know as, as well as I do that anybody can be circumcised. So what benefit is it? Circumcision doesn't make you a cut above the rest. And I could tell a joke, but I will not. Ask me later, I'll tell you it. It may not be appropriate. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. It doesn't. It doesn't have any value. Now, originally, circumcision was like a badge worn by the men of Israel as a sign of them being God's chosen people, which they are, God's chosen people. But it could never make them holy. But now, regardless of race, creed, or color, people in every generation who place their faith in Jesus can have their souls saved by believing faith in him and in him alone. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. Then it, we are to live by faith day by day. Paul says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The true change that comes about in somebody's heart who's put their trust in Jesus is that they have faith, they have hope, and they have love that's evident in their lives. This is why we can love one another. Even though we don't always agree, we don't necessarily always get along, but believers have a love that binds them together. That's the common denominator. People that can claim to have faith in Jesus, but without, without the evidence of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in that person's life, there's no proof. Where's the evidence? James says, you say you've got faith? Show me. Like the Missouri... 
what do you call those things on the cars? License plate. Show me. You say you've got faith? Show me. Prove it by your works, by your life. That's the evidence if we're truly saved. Now, Paul, don't forget, he's, he's not angry at them. He knows they're being deceived. They're like babes in Christ. He's angry at the ones that are, de are deceiving them. And he commends those believers. They started out well when he preached the gospel to them. They started out well when they, and they first believed in Jesus. He said in verse 7, you were running a good race. They started out great. And he said, who cut, you in, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? He wants to know who's teaching them a false gospel. He said, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. Who was the one that called him? Jesus. He uses the example of yeast that's put into flour to make the dough rise. He said a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. See, a little drop of poison pollutes the whole glassful, doesn't it? In the Bible, some of you already know this, that yeast is always used as an example of evil or sin. And we should know by now that sin is evil. So when any pastor or teacher says there is another way to get right with God other than receiving Jesus Christ as their savior, they are false teachers. They're deceivers. They're doing the devil's work. And there's many, there's many, a lot of these TV evangelists, not all of them, but some of them are doing the devil's work. They're deceivers, they're false teachers. They're being used by the devil to deceive gullible people. And there's so many gullible people in this world. However, Paul was hoping that it wasn't too late. This is one of the reasons he wrote to them. He's hoping it wasn't too late for those Galatians to turn back to obeying the true gospel that he preached and they believed at the beginning. He said, I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. It's either right or wrong. It's either true or it's false. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe me or are you going to believe these false teachers? Even in our day, there are millions of people that are being led astray by false teachers that are doing the devil's work. And come judgment day, they will pay the price for diminishing, demeaning, and disrespecting the Lord Jesus Christ and the true gospel message. And he, Paul, he said, the one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever they may be, will have to pay the penalty. They will have to pay the penalty. And God is the righteous judge, amen? 
One day he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the true from the false. Now, like all Jewish boys, Saul, before he became Paul, was circumcised on the eighth day and later willingly followed and promoted vehemently the religion of his forefathers. But all that changed when he was chosen by God. And when he was, from that moment on, when he started to preach the true gospel message, he suffered tremendously for the sake of Christ and the gospel that he preached. And he said in verse 7, he said, Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, which he did before he was saved, being a devout Jew and Pharisee, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. In other words, he wouldn't be suffering if it hadn't, hadn't been faithful preaching the truth that offended so many people who heard the gospel message that he preached. The gospel message offends people. But he did suffer and he made painful sacrifices and he was willing to do it. And he paid the ultimate sacrifice because he preached the truth. That's why they killed Jesus, because he preached the truth. And those who preach the truth that Jesus is the only way to God offends people, offends people. You met people like that? You try to share the gospel with them and they get offended, don't they? Many, many, unfortunately. Also, those that preach the true gospel will be criticized. And if we're not being criticized, Maybe we're not preaching the true gospel. Those that preach the true gospel are going to be criticized. Have you heard people criticize me? By people that don't want to change. Because when people are told what the Bible says, then they have a choice. Either to obey it or not to obey it. And many choose not to obey it because it interferes with the life that they prefer to live instead of living for Jesus. See, there's a price to pay to live for Jesus, isn't there? That Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. When people, some people, I say, are confronted with the truth, then what they do, they attack the messenger. Why? Because they don't like the message. They don't like the message. Just like Jesus was despised and rejected because he told the truth. Likewise, all faithful Christians, like those apostles who preached the truth, were persecuted for the cause of Jesus, for the cause of Christ. Paul was criticized 
and rejected by those Galatians because of the gospel message he preached. But he wasn't angry with them, like I said, with those new, he was angry with those lying shysters that were deceiving those new believers. And he's not being very politically correct. He says in verse 4, as for those agitators, so you always got people that are stirring things up, stirring, they like to stir up trouble. Those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Woo! You know what that means? You know what emasculate means? He said, I wish they could castrate themselves and see how that feels. And the pain that they're putting these believers through and the pain that they're putting Paul through. Not very politically correct. They must have really hurt their feelings. Paul is saying in effect that those false teachers that were insisting the Gentile Christians be circumcised should castrate themselves. And see how that feels. Ouch. I mean, a lot of these Gentile believers, they weren't eight, you know, eight days old. They were older men. I'm not sure if they had any, um, what do you call it, anesthetics back in those days, but created a lot of pain being castrated. He said, I wish they could cut themselves, see how that feels. So I'm almost finished. Finally, Verse 13 through 15, Paul emphasizes what's really necessary for those Galatians to do. Don't bother getting circumcised. It has no value whatsoever. He wants them to remember their standing in Christ, their position in Christ when they first believed. Just a simple faith. Don't deviate from that. Don't try to add Onto that, just live day by day by faith in believing Jesus Christ and what he's done for you on the cross and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you and fill you. That's living by faith, not trying to live up to a certain standard of righteousness that they cannot keep. It's only going to make you miserable. They are completely accepted by God, all because of their simple faith in Jesus, not because of anything else they were supposed to do or they were told to do by anybody else. So his prayer for them was that they would enjoy and be filled with joy, enjoy the freedom and the joy that they once received when they first got saved. Do you remember when you first got saved? When you received Jesus, you received fullness of joy? What happened? Are we trying to do this and we're trying to do that? God hasn't changed. Live in the freedom and the joy that when we first got saved. And he points out that having been saved by grace, and it's important for them to realize this, 
and for us too, that didn't give them a license to sin just because they'd been saved by grace. And their eternal security was certain. That doesn't give us a license to sin and abuse that grace that God gives us so graciously. No, there's a responsibility now. The more light that we have, the more light we, we walk in. The more responsibility we have to walk in the knowledge of God who enlightens us to obey his commandments. And the only way we can obey his commandments is by, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. We'd have no problem then. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. And he rightly points out, we are too. And thank God we have people in our, I say our church, because the church is not the building, it's the body of Christ. He says, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. Why? Because the entire law is fulfilled in keeping just one commandment. To love our neighbor as ourself. That would make such a difference in this world if we could love our neighbor as ourself. And we are told to do that. We're commanded to do that. And it's all summed up. The whole law is summed up in that one little commandment. To love your neighbor as yourself. Finally, last verse. Paul closes with some wise advice. But also a warning. Because love warns. Those new believers, he says, it's very relevant as relevant today as it was when it was first written over 2,000 years ago. And he says, and I quote, finally, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. How many churches that we know have split because they haven't served one another humbly in love and they haven't loved their neighbor as themselves. Biting and devouring one another. Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So remember Christians, Christians are not our enemy. Christians are not your enemy. The devil is, amen? Remember that. Let's close. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful for your word. We thank you that you've taught us this morning from your word. And may we remember it and apply it in our lives. There's a lot to remember, a lot to take in. But I pray your Holy Spirit will remind us on a daily basis to live by faith and to serve each other humbly in love and also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that includes unbelievers. They are not our enemies. 
the devil is. And once we were deceived by the devil, just like they are. So help us to live the life. May they see the light of the glory of God shining through our lives. The things that we do and who we are, may they see a difference in our life. And the only way they can do that is just being filled by the Holy Spirit to manifest the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life from day to day. There may be somebody, I know you are, wherever you may be listening to this message, you've heard the truth today. Are you willing to believe it? Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way, I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. I pray that you will believe that Jesus loves you enough to die for you and suffer all that pain on the cross so you wouldn't have to be punished for your sins. Believe it in your heart. Receive him as your savior. Believe that he died for you, that he rose again, having been buried and is alive. And if you receive him, your life will be changed and your names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you will never perish. And I hope and pray that you do. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colerain for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colerain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.